Hey guys, how are you? Welcome back to the Image Junkies podcast with me, Christian Parkinson. I'm stood in my garden, the sun is shining, the neighbor's chickens are making noise, but I just thought it'd be nice to do the intro out in the garden today. So basically, today we've got something a bit different. I'm interviewing an old friend of mine who used to be a, a news video journalist. He used to work on a BBC program called Africa Business Report, but decided to follow his passion, which was underwater filmmaking. So he still does a little bit of news and documentary camera work, but now focuses mainly on the underwater filming, and that's what we've kind of focused the interview on today. So without further ado, here's Jason Boswell. So Jason, what do you do? I'm a freelance camera operator based out of Cape Town, and um, after working for news for, geez, five years, um, I decided to switch it out and start focusing more on underwater filming. So that's quite an interesting sort of career transition. What was the driving force between moving from working as a news cameraman um, to doing underwater filming and, and how's it gone so far? So I have been diving since I was 16 years old and I've always tried or imagined doing underwater filming as a, as a vacation or vocation rather. Um, <laughs> both. <laughs> both, yeah, exactly. Um, so whilst I was working for the BBC, there was a, a number of times that I got to film underwater as well. And after well, I don't know, four years of working in a standard news environment, I just, just wanted to see if I could eke out a niche for myself in the underwater, underwater world. Um, and it's going pretty well so far. Um, I'm currently working on the final episode of a three-part documentary series. It's the first documentary that I've um, been commissioned to work on as a dedicated camera operator underwater. Um, and I've also continued to work um, both as a producer for news pieces, more in a video journalist type of way, um, focusing on a lot of underwater stuff. So I've done a lot of things for uh, CNN. I've done some stuff for Deutsche Welle, all focusing on underwater stories that I've pitched myself. So it's basically creating my own niche, but it seemed to have gone pretty well. And do you think as a freelancer, is it beneficial to have quite a narrow specialization? Um, for example, for freelancers out there listening now, would you recommend that it's a good idea to choose a specialization? Maybe that be drone flying and filming, underwater filming, whatever it might be. I mean, would you say it's gone well for you because of your specialization as a freelancer? I think as a freelancer, it's important to have a diverse range of skills. Um, not only do you need to be technically proficient, but also in this day and age, you need to be able to produce yourself and come up with your own stories, do your own research. Um, I don't know if I'd write my like recent successes up to just purely being and like having a specialization of underwater. I think um, I have picked up a lot of underwater work because I have general skills. So a lot of a lot of um, the pieces, um, including this documentary that I'm working on, I was hired as the underwater camera operator, but also because I could work topside and film interviews and do lighting and do sound. So I think it's more the other way around is that I have a specialization that I'd like to follow, but having the general skills is what is very sellable. Yeah, that makes sense. Would you say then or a lot of underwater cameramen, they don't have the same experience topside as you, so therefore that, that's been quite advantageous? So I recently went to a um, wildlife and natural uh, history filmmaking conference and I sat in on a video editor's masterclass not because I want to be a video editor but 
I want to understand what documentary video editors are looking for. So as a camera operator, I know what type of shots they're looking for and how to build proper sequences for a video editor, which I think is also another skill um, because the video editors will recommend you and like you and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the editor who was running the program said that the worst interview shots she's ever seen in her entire life are from natural history and wildlife filmmakers. Um, they just frame everything wide and you know there's no sort of set framing because that's not what they used to. So I think coming from a news background where I've got very solid interview lighting skills, filming skills, and then now branching off into wildlife has stood me in good stead. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, let's just backtrack a little bit then. So let's say... You know, someone like myself, bog standard news cameraman, wanted to become an underwater filmmaker. What are the sort of steps they would need to follow? What are the training? You know, what advice would you have for them? And how long would it take to go from being someone who's never done it before to being someone who could rent themselves out as a freelance underwater cameraman? So for me, I've always been a diver. So obviously, if you're wanting to work in underwater, you need to be comfortable being in the water and under the water. So a diving course is probably a, a good place to start off with. Or if you just need to build up your sort of comfortable, your, comf your comfort in the water um, by either swimming or snorkeling as a start. Um, a lot of um, underwater camera work is actually done just purely on snorkel. So you'll be filming things from the surface and then diving down and holding your breath and framing a shot. But that in and of itself is quite a serious skill. So you need to be very comfortable in the water before you start handling handling a camera. So for me, I started diving when I was 16. I then worked as a dive instructor for five years while I was studying at university. Um, so I've always had an interest in the underwater, underwater world. And that skill is very important because when you're underwater, if you're diving, you need to be, your diving skills need to be second nature. Um, because when you're when you're topside, it's easy. You breathe and you walk around and you move around and like you can keep a shot stable. Like, Not easy for everyone. <laughs> yeah, <fair enough. laughs> um, I know a lot of cameramen who struggle with all of those things. Yeah, holding your breath during interviews and things like that. Whereas when you're underwater, it's a completely alien environment. And just moving around takes some skills because to control your buoyancy, you've got to maintain your breathing rate. And if you start swimming after something, how do you maintain that? Um, and that's just for the shallow stuff. So within underwater filming, I'm actually specializing in something else called technical diving, which is deeper diving. So I've just returned now from a trip where we did a dive to 111 meters. Um, and there you've got an added um, component, um, which is also relevant to all underwater shooting, but time. So when you're on the surface, you can take all the time you need and you can speak to people and say, oh, please do that again. When you're underwater, not so much. So if you're on a standard scuba kit, maybe you've got 40 minutes underwater and you can't- 40, 40. 40 minutes. And now for this dive to 111 meters, we had exactly seven minutes on the bottom. So you need to get all the shots that you need to get done ahead of time in your head. And speaking to the people that you're diving with or the people that you'll be filming with, ahead of time is crucial. So whereas you could walk into a shoot somewhere if you were filming something um, topside and just explain to people what you need and you can ask them to do it again, that you can't really do underwater. So there's a lot more planning involved um, about your shoots underwater. So fish aren't easily directed, I guess. <laughs> fish are not. Um, to film natural history, you need to be well aware of 
the animal that you are wanting to film. And often, as I mean, I'm I'm just breaking into this, but as a generalist, when it comes to underwater specialization, when you, you've got a generalist in underwater, um, you would need to work with somebody who understands these animal behaviors. And that's how you would get into it, is that you would rely on their knowledge to point out where you need to go, when you need to go, what you need to look for. And the other the other thing is that often, like if you go underwater, you can't change lenses. So you need to know what lens you need to take with you because you can't just flip a wide angle to a macro to a, you know, whatever you need um, when you're underwater. So it's a lot more planning that goes into it. But for people that are wanting to break into it, I would highly recommend just getting a diving course and then getting, don't, don't take your camera underwater, just practice being underwater and like, getting comfortable underwater and practicing your diving skills because there's a marked difference in professional camera operators and people who go diving with a GoPro. So you'll have lots of shaky footage up and down because people can't control their finning or their kicking and they can't control their breathing so they're moving up and down versus somebody who's very comfortable in the water and can move smoothly. And that I think is a big mark of difference between people who are taking a camera underwater and who are underwater camera operators. So do you need a, a specific qualification? I mean, like on your CV, do you have to have specific courses to be hired as an underwater cameraman or it's more just experience? As far as I know, a lot of um, news organizations will ask for your qualifications. Um, I know that when I did a shoot with the BBC a couple of years ago, um, we were going to go and film in Lake Malawi. Um, there was a whole form on the BBC's website about underwater filming. Um, so you needed to have a minimum qualification of being a dive master. Um, and if you wanted to film on a piece of technology or dive on a piece of technology called a rebreather, you needed to have a minimum of 50 hours diving on a rebreather before you're allowed to film using a rebreather. So I think a lot of organizations will have minimum technical requirements and training requirements um, to make sure that you're comfortable and safe in the water because it can be a tricky environment to work in. Well, I guess that leads me on to the next question then, which is kit. I mean, what, what kit have you got and what would you recommend people who want to start doing underwater filming, what route they go, um, you know, and sort of how have you got on with the kit you've got? So I, I own a variety of diving equipment. Um, so everything from normal scuba cylinders and regulators to do normal scuba that 90% of the diving population does, as well as more specialized kit, a rebreather, which is a machine that recycles your air um, and adds a little bit of oxygen so you can stay down longer without any bubbles, which is a very nice piece of kit, but it's very expensive and requires a lot of specialist training and experience. Um, in terms of cameras. Oh yeah, right. Um, so in terms of kit, um, I would uh, recommend just starting with what you've got and just going ahead and doing it. Um, I did a shoot for a German TV channel um, on a seahorse species in South Africa, which is highly endangered. And I bought a Olympus TG5 tough compact camera, which I think is in the region of about 400 US dollars. Um, and that in and of itself is waterproof up to 15 meters. So you don't even need a fancy underwater housing for the camera. And that camera now travels with me everywhere. Um, it shoots 4K video, it's got an amazing macro mode. So you don't need to spend a lot of money when you're starting out. And advice that was given to me um, is that you just need to start shooting your own stories so that you've got a semblance of a showreel to show to people what what you are capable of and what and what you aren't. So people will know 
how they're hiring you and what they what they can hire you for. And then you can slowly build up kit. I mean, myself, I started I started all my underwater filming on a GoPro. Um, I then slowly worked up to a DSLR, and now I'm using uh, a mirrorless camera in a um, very GH5. I'm using a Panasonic GH5S in uh, Aquatica housing, which is, I mean, it's bulletproof. So going into the selection of of that was uh, quite intense because my previous housing was made of plastic. And when I got down to about 40 meters, because of the pressure, I couldn't push any of the buttons anymore. Um, my The new one by Aquatica is rated to 130 meters out of, uh, straight out of the box um, without any special additions or anything to that effect. And it's machined out of a solid block of aluminum. So it's a lot more sturdy. But also the reason that I chose it is because you can field service it. Because a lot of these places, if you get to, You've only got one housing. You, I mean, you can take spare lenses and you can take spare batteries and all that sort of stuff. But if your housing goes, you're in a bit of, a bit of dwang. Um, so being able to field service it and being robust is very important. And stuff like that, is it really expensive? Yes. Um, when you start moving into proper specialist kit, it does, it does get expensive. Um, my Aquatica housing um, is in the region with the required ports for the different lenses because each lens will require its own underwater fitting in the front. So you've got a wide angle, uh, which is a dome port, and then you've got a flat port for a macro lens. Um, I would estimate that would be about three and a half thousand US dollars without any lights and without the camera. Um, Lighting is crucial underwater because as soon as you drop past 10 meters, um, everything goes blue. Red light gets filtered out, which is a big um, problem with underwater filming. So you need constant video light and your white balance is crucial when you're underwater. Um, so, so you can't just fix it in post? Fixing it in post is very tricky. There are allegedly, well, there are some uh, software guys who say that they can do it, but not every time, you know. The Why do you just add a bit of red? <laughs> it doesn't really work if it's not there to start off with. Um, so lighting is important. So I've I've got two uh, 15,000 lumen lights, which could, I don't know, you could fry an egg on when you turn them on in top side. Um, and those are about a thousand US dollars each. Um, so you're probably looking at for a basic setup, um, which is not top of the range by any stretch of the imagination, is about 10,000 US dollars. Um, and that's excluding your dive gear. So depending on where you're diving, what you're diving on, you would need to add that on. So it's not something people should jump into uh, unless they've got some savings. Correct. Or build it up over time, which is what I did. So I I owned all my own underwater kit, um, scuba kit, before I even started. So, And the training also costs money as well to do the various courses. And then building up experience, depending on where you are based in the world, um, can be expensive as well, depending on how many dives you need. Um, Because... To, be, to become a dive master, which is a minimum requirement for a lot of places, you need to have a minimum of 60, 60 dives. Um, and uh, some of the resorts that I've looked at, dives can be about $100. So you're looking at another 6,000-odd US on just on diving, um, just to get up to that experience. Um, there are easier options. So I live in Cape Town. You can literally walk in off the beach um, less than 800 meters away from my front door. Um, so there are ways. Show off. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Um, so yeah, it, I, I would I would think uh, very seriously about wanting to specialize in it. Um, and if it's something that interests you, then there are ways and means to get into it slowly and that won't break the bank. 
Cool. And and what uh, what sort of projects have you found yourself working on recently that you can tell us about? Um, so I've been working on a documentary project which is um, coming out in June or July next year, um, which is looking at three different iconic species in South Africa. And we've done three 48-minute episodes with one episode still to film, um, which has been a really great learning experience. So I've gotten to film whales from a boat, which was great. So missioning around um, looking for humpback whales, <laughs> which um, was a lot more difficult to film than I than I imagined because, I mean, the humpback whale's massive. Um, but when you get in the water, they know that you're there and they'll dive down deep and you can see them. So we spent four days in the water and it involves jumping into the water, hoping that they swim underneath you, that you can actually see them, rolling your camera, making sure that your focus, your white balance, everything is correct and then hoping that you see them and then getting back into the boat and then doing it again. In four days, I managed, we jumped, and this is jumping in eight-hour shifts, essentially. Um, I don't know how many times I jumped in, in probably about 30 or 40 meters in front of the whales, and I saw them three times. So you had, your, your rolling had to be spot on every single time you went into the water because sometimes you, you get it and sometimes you don't. So that was a a cool one to work on. And I'm just thinking, how do you focus underwater? And how can you even tell if you're in focus, I'm guessing? Like, how easy is it to actually get something in focus when you're deep underwater? So it's, it is it is very tricky. Um, depending on which housing you buy, you can have a manual focus option. So you will be running completely manual focus and manual zoom underwater. That is preferable because when you're diving, um, there's often a lot of particulate in the water. So stuff floating up in between you and your subject. So if you're using autofocus, it tends to hunt. Um, so what I tend to do is I will use the housing on autofocus, get my focus and then switch it to manual focus before it starts hunting. And then roll for 30 seconds on whatever it needs to be, reframe, refocus, and then switch it back to back to manual. But using autofocus is often your only choice. Um, and then you just need to be Watching the entire time on the back viewfinder, um, it is it is it is challenging, um, especially if you want to get a low shot. Um, if you put something down on the ground, it's very difficult to lie flat on the ground because you've also got to be careful of coral, marine life, all that sort of stuff. So you don't want to damage the environment that you're filming while while you're down there. So your buoyancy control needs to be very good. A lot of the housings um, do come with external monitors, so you could mount a Ninja Shogun or any of those underwater, but then that's an additional expense as well. Um, for instance, the one housing manufacturer, their housing comes in at about three and a half thousand, four thousand uh, US uh, for the camera housing alone. And then if you want to put in an Atmos recorder, the housing for that is two and a half thousand dollars at just the housing. So that's with, without the external recorder. External recorders are great because they're very bright underwater and you can check your focus. Um, that's your best option, but um, for the rest of us, we just rely on the back screen and uh, a couple of tricks to try and get m manual and autofocus working together. <laughs> I have enough trouble focusing as it is. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have a clue. I remember your camera set to autofocus, mate. Autofocus <laughs> is the way to go. I tell you, it's the future. <laughs> People might think I'm joking, but I'm being serious. I'm 40 now. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so just to wrap up, mate, what's the long-term plan then? What what where do you see your career going and what sort of projects do you want to work on in the next few years? 
Well, ideally, I'd like to continue uh, working on in the documentary space. Um, it, I don't know if I'd um, want to specialize in um, natural history or wildlife behavior because there's so many other things to film underwater that aren't aren't animals. So I think when people think underwater filmmaking, you're thinking of you think of fish, um, you know, which which is great. Um, but there's so many different things. There's underwater caves, there's wrecks to be explored, there's a number of businesses which rely on underwater stuff. So um, I'll be filming a project about seaweed farming um, coming up. In Cape Town there's guys who collect um, uh, kelp for processing into a whole bunch of different industrial uses. So I'd like to focus on underwater filmmaking in general, but maybe not natural natural history filmmaking. I mean, that's that's great, and that is where the majority of the work is. Um, and long term, I'd like to continue specialising in the, the the technical side of of diving. So that involves sort of diving in caves, overhead environments, wrecks, and and deeper sites. So. There are actually a number of underwater camera operators out there. Um, so it's also trying to create a niche within underwater filmmaking. And I think that's where I'd like to specialize in. So I hope you guys found that as fascinating as I did. Uh, it's not an area I know much about underwater filmmaking. So it was quite enlightening to hear Jason tell us how you get into it and what kit to use, etc. Uh, and also a few nice tips in there for freelancers and so on. So guys, if you enjoyed that, please do leave a five-star review, do comment, and do share this episode on social media. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, I know I mention it every week, but sometimes it does feel like nobody's listening. So even just the one comment now and then makes me feel like it's worthwhile. So thanks in advance for that. Um, and take care. All the best. Have a great week. And I'll try and get another episode in before Christmas. If not, we'll speak in the new year. Cheers, guys. <laughs>